It's a Sin is the miniseries uh, surrounding LGBT issues that were launched on Channel 4 this year. But is it a virtuous series or is it much like its namesake, A Sin? I'm Mike. And I'm Darren. And this is Popscore. movie review podcast and tv review podcast and today we're looking into the channel 4 limited series it's a sin that released between the 22nd of january and the 19th of february this year uh, and therefore this is the first popcorn we're doing this year because uh, there's nothing coming out this is it which is ironic actually because this series has got quite a lot to do with coming anyway i'm mike oh, and i'm darren you have to say coming uh, out michael you can't just leave it at coming I mean, um, hmm, huh, um, well, yeah, we'll get into the content of this yeah, series um, in so a bit. We're having to expand the uh, remit for Popscorn to include TV shows just so we can have some Popscorns to talk about. Um, but yeah, so this is um, the the first real big TV event that happened on terrestrial TV, it feels like, this year. Um, we've had like Bridgerton on, on Netflix and all that good business, but this really felt like the first, you know, normal tv for want of a better phrase to really put its foot down for some serious contention for a award season coming up um and it's based on yeah the the aids academic academic aids epidemic of uh the 1980s which means there's not a whole lot of last we're going to be able to rinse out of this in terms of criticism um so it's yeah but that's not to say that this wasn't Show my hand early. Really good series. I can't believe that this is this is the hill that um, I come to disagree with you on, Darren. Really? I don't. I didn't think. I didn't think this was going to be it. And let me be clear. I don't mean that as like I didn't think that me and Darren would disagree about this. I'm like, no, no. I didn't think that I would be down on this. But because um, it's very much like, um, don't get me wrong. I am all an advocate for for having these stories told because they are fucking important but i i can't let it go that this series is a collection of missed opportunities and genuinely bad execution i i didn't really enjoy it and it's not necessarily a problem of the actors involved it's not necessarily a problem of what they've decided to do i think I think it comes down with two major problems for me. For one, it doesn't follow through. It doesn't love a lot of its own ideas and it doesn't love a lot of its own opportunities to tell interesting stories. And for two, it's way too fucking short. And I know that it's a miniseries, but it does feel like a lot of this was left on the cutting room floor. And we'll, we'll go more in depth into that as we go into it, because we can start with the good bit, which is the cast, because they are pretty fucking good. It must be said. We'll start with the positives because I don't want to be the one that comes down on a, on what seems to be quite an important commentary of the, the AIDS epidemic. Uh, just going, and I hated it and this wasn't good. And I'm, I don't want to be that arsehole. So, uh, yeah, let's talk about something I liked. 
which was the cast. Uh, Darren, who do you want to talk about first? Now we've got a stew going. Okay. Um, so, well, let's talk. Yeah, let's let's focus on the cast. Because I must admit, this is where the majority of my praise comes from. I think there are some points we're actually going to dis- we're going to agree on in terms of some of its downfalls. Um, but I, I think to a to a person on this cast, everyone does a brilliant job. Let's open up with Ollie Alexander because we heard about this show um, when he appeared on uh, Graham Norton. I think it was the week before it came out. Um, so they had him on uh, a couple of a week or two before it started, and they had uh, Neil Patrick Harris on the Graham Norton show like the week after the the day actually aired. Um, and Alexander had been on Graham Norton before. If you haven't seen him in real life, he's a very over the top gay man. He is uh, he's a singer by trade, I think primarily. I have just looked up. He has this isn't his like his first acting gig, but he's primarily like a, a synth um, music guy. Um, and he came on. He was talking like in very over top like manner how um, he met Rihanna like the last time he was on Graham Norton and how happy he was that that happened. Um, if anything, he's toned it down for this series. Um, so <laughs> yeah, he uh, so we saw it and it was like, oh okay, like seems like a weird choice for him to be the lead. But they played that clip, which I think is in the second episode of him talking directly to camera about mm. AIDS and how in his belief it's all made up. And uh, you can see why this might have resonated with the times we live in. Um, <laughs> that, yeah, it's all a lie. Yeah. You know, oh, they've invented a disease that only kills gay men. Come on now. Um, so we saw that. I was like, well, that was actually pretty good acting. Okay, let's give it a whirl. He does such a good job in this of balancing. So, like, you, you can come away with about five different opinions on this character and his actions of. Is he, you know, is he, a, is he a good person? Is he ultimately just, you know, flawed? Is he kind of a bit of an antagonist? There's so many ways to read about this, and that just comes from a really, really good performance from Ollie Alexander, and I hope he gets some award recognition for it. Yeah, that's actually something I did want to discuss with you, is that is, is Richie a good person? Because there's just there's so many things that make him, like the antithesis of the stereotypical LGBT ally. I mean, he's a fucking Tory. Like, Richie as a character is a conservative voting person who is then outwardly gay. It, it He has so many character inconsistencies, and I think that weirdly makes him a bit more realistic, is that he's not just the, the cookie cutout of just, here's your main character that you've got to like. You don't necessarily have to agree with many of the decisions that Richie makes in this series, because you could argue, like you said, he's kind of an arsehole. And I think that's yeah. oddly refreshing. Like, admit the, the the really bad stuff he does is actually kept off camera and just kind of told to you in like the last episode, basically. Mm. Um, that 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 is a bit of a plot contrivance. I wish I would have seen actually play out on screen a bit more. Um, yeah. But yeah, he. The, the the balancing act he does of there's a lot there's people that are a lot easier to root for on the show which we'll talk about in a second but that does kind of by default make him the most interesting character in that you know you you can change your opinion on him almost on the fly several times an episode you can go from thinking well he's doing the right thing you know his, his heart's in the right place and all that good stuff to like no he's not 
doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's being reckless just because he doesn't want... Um, see, I think because Graham Norton was obviously like... I I was in London in the 80s during the AIDS epidemic. So I, I knew people that were like your character that just didn't want the party to end. And no amount of evidence or, you know, people dying of AIDS was enough to convince them that, you know, they need to be careful, they need to be wary of this thing. They were just like, no, I, I want to enjoy my life. Um, consequences be damned. Yeah, and, and I think that's... Um... That's what really gives the, the the performance the bit of the extra spice is that especially with how the story ends, which we will come into, it, that you can feel either that there's there's going to be um, without revealing too much, there is going to be some negative emotions, but you kind of get to decide where that sits, whether it is like you know heart wrenching or whether it is just a minor amount of remorse for the situation or for those surrounding him. And it's just, yeah, I, I do think there's something quite special about that performance, mainly because he's your main character and he's, he's really, really not likable in quite a lot of the series. Mm. That's, I appreciate that that he's not just, you have to be on side 100% of the time or you're not behind the show or you're, you know, What's the word? You're not being an ally, I guess. So I appreciate that there was shades of grey to that character because that's what we want, really. We we want we want to say that you know going forward, this show as an example of hey, you can have a collection like a core cast of five characters and four of them be gay, and then like two or three years down the line, we have a series that's like here's a, a cast of like five gay characters and being gay is about the fourth or fifth most most important thing about them. Um, because hey, we've already, we've already told the story of this specific point in time, and you understand their history already, which I think is important to do. So I'm glad that they did it without just being like, a, oh no, the the AIDS epidemic is happening, and we're all scared, and it's all dreadful. It's like, no, some people didn't, some people carried on, some people willfully ignored it, some people rallied against it like there's that there's that scene in the pub where there's the um the second character we're going to talk about in the moment jill um goes and speaks to the other table of, of people who are like do starting to begin the activism for uh you know recognizing the aids epidemic mm. and and richie thinks it's a waste of fucking time I'm like that's that's refreshing to see that some that some people would even refuse the hand of help being outstretched to them, like that that's very interesting to watch. So so you bring up Jill, who I think is the character that kind of enables um, Richie to be a bit more divisive because Jill is the much more straightforward protagonist. Um, yeah, and he's kind of kind of portrayed as like, <laughs> for want of a better phrase, without sin. She's kind of the ideal protagonist in that she she's very virtuous everything she's doing is great i not to say that she's not like it's a great performance because it is i think uh what's her name lydia west does a really really nice job of being the likable lead um and kind of being the one who's she, she's the 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 one at the forefront of kind of trying to figure out this AIDS epidemic because she um, she's the first person to kind of come into contact with with their main characters. Not that she contracts it, but I mean she comes into contact with another character who has it. 
and she kind of is the one to get the wheels turning on um, the main story. Once we get past like the second episode, that's where the show is. It's not just about gay culture in London, it's specifically about AIDS. And she's the driving force of that. I think, again, another really, really stellar performance in this cast. Yeah, um, I, I did like Jill. I, I thought she was very good. Now, the question is, though, is, the, is she the main character? Because I think if she was the main character, I might be slightly more up on the series. Because at least then, in, in kind of a, a more general storytelling uh, device, she's your in. She is the audience's eyes being introduced to this world. And that's not necessarily what the series does with Jill. What the series does do is still nice, and it is still very much a case of she's the sort of the stereotypical ally. She's you know she she lives with with four other gay men and is constantly looking after them and supporting them and making sure that they feel wanted when they don't have families because she is able to still have a good relationship with her parents where that's far less common with everybody else surrounding her. Mm -hmm. So a, a great supportive role. I think she could have been the lead and this series might've taken a slightly different step. And, and, and I understand the, the trouble of, of making a show like this in this context and not having your main character be a gay man. I get it. I understand mm -hmm. it. I just think it would have worked better thematically if she was, because she's also a very good actress as well. Yeah. I think what it kind of takes, it's not as pronounced as it was on Skins, but they kind of take that model of it changes who the main character is episode to episode. So there are certain episodes where she's definitely the, the you know, the most forefront character. There's more episodes than not, it's Richie. But then there's early on, it feels like Colin, the Colin character, is going to be the protagonist. He's going to be the in because he is an outsider coming into this world. Um, but for a reason we'll get into, it turns out he's not Colin. Um, but yeah, I think she's... Do you know the, 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 the woman who played her mom? Uh, let me find her name. Uh, oh, no. Jill Nalder? Jill Nalder is the Jill from the show. It's her, like you know memoirs that this is based on no way that's awesome yeah 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 so fantastic that's nice that they got yeah she she her and russell t davis basically put this show together based on her experiences of going through she lived in a flat in london with gay men at the height of the aids epidemic she was massively into the um you know the kind of aids uh what's the word like the protests and the um visibility movements and stuff like that and bringing attention to it so that's nice that it's got a real grounding in uh, reality. So, fantastic. Um, but yeah, again, great performance. I don't think it's as like nuanced as uh, Ollie Alexander's is as Richie. So I don't. I, I would like for her to also get some nominations for like best supporting actress or whatever. But um, because it's a bit more straightforward. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. She's definitely the most the character that she's on the screen. You, you, I enjoy her the most. Just because she is so nice, and they show like, um, like the last scene in particular is really nice for her character. Um, that she's just so selfless in trying to help her friends get through this, even when they're kind of refusing the help. She's headstrong enough to kind of make them face the issues. Um, but yeah. Then we have um, Roscoe Babatunde. Uh, there was a lecturer at my school who had that last name, and I just like saying it out loud whenever I can. Um, Babatunde. <laughs> Um, played by Omari Douglas, 
he's more of the comic relief character, though mm. that's a bit of a simplistic pigeonhole to put him in. He definitely has the most funny parts. Um, so he's a uh, the character of uh, Roscoe is a a Nigerian immigrant, or at least he comes from Nigerian parents um, who are very religious. And the second they find out that he's gay, they kind of immediately kick him out when he just turns up in eyeliner and just says, "This is who I am. I'm not going to hide it anymore. Peace out." And he goes and just dives headfirst into the the gay scene of London. Mm. He has he's kind of a red herring so quite a few characters we meet along the way get AIDS and they show that he's probably the most promiscuous of the entire gang mm. but I mean slight spoiler alert he doesn't get AIDS he kind of avoids it and that means that he is able to be a bit more of the the comic relief and have side stories that are a bit more humorous than that when serious stuff is happening to other characters mm. and again I think he does a great job of that I think he's brilliant I think he's really mm. good and I think he's prob him and the next character we're going to talk about are the ones least served by the script because they have a lot of fucking potential. Mm. And I, I felt like we could have learned so much more about uh, both Roscoe and the next character we'll talk about. Um, actually, no, is it? We, we haven't spoken about Colin yet, have we? Uh, no, not yet. Okay, well, the char- character after that, the, the fifth of five, Ash, him and Roscoe, like... I wanted so much more from them because I was so intrigued about how their diverse backgrounds affect their coming to London. Like you said, the story of of the of the Nigerian immigrant or at least somebody of John Nigerian descent having to deal with the conflicts of his ancestral upbringing, his religious upbringing, and having the confidence to turn his back almost immediately before like before the show begins is is markedly different to the story of our main character who does st- stay closeted for as long as possible mm. so it's 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 a lot more interesting to me especially with like every little seed that that character gets in a little episode so like at the end of the first or second episode there's it looks like he might r- take over running a gay pub and it doesn't come to fruition it never comes up again I'm like, that's a huge missed opportunity. And I want to see this character evolve in that environment. And I don't get it. And it's really fucking annoying because Amari Douglas shows he's got range, like especially towards the end of this series. He has got some fucking range. And it made me very excited to see more of him. Just unfortunately not in this series. You are right, because there's, there's something near the end of the series where... So his dad is a, is a priest, and he finds out through the grapevine, basically, that um, his dad has gone back to Nigeria um, to some prepping. But then he the dad turns back up, and the dad has basically gone to Nigeria, being confronted with the AIDS epidemic over there, and come back with a bit more sympathy towards his son and his lifestyle choice in this situation mm. that was a stone they kind of only spent maybe a scene or two on that if they'd introduced that a bit earlier could have been you know that much more interesting so I, I take your point on that but I think with what he's given he does a really good job um, he gets given a side story with uh, Stephen Fry uh, for a couple of episodes that does have a very nice ending um, <laughs> which you know any time you get to piss in Margaret Thatcher's tea, literally, figuratively, whatever, it's all good. Um, see, uh, so Nathaniel Curtis plays Ash, who I think is of Indian descent. Um, he he's the one that's explored the least 
Um, he he's basically just there to be. He's not a warm body because I think he does do a good job. He's not just there to fill you know space, um, but he he very much is there to serve the other characters' needs as opposed to being a fully formed one by himself. And that's the problem because I I would have liked to have seen where that would have gone. I I don't even feel like I got a flavour for uh, Nathaniel Curtis's like real acting ability because he was treated like set dressing past episode two mm. and it was just such a shame i understand that they had to focus on other stories that we are going to have to talk about in a moment and why that took up the runtime but you know I, I just, question for you darren what was ash's job well he works in a library there's a scene in a library at mm. one point but i don't actually know what he did there he seems to just be checking books for gay characters but that, that that's about it yeah that that scene where he's he's actually trying to be i think it's like a an assistant teacher i think mm. um and he gets bullied by the staff because they immediately clock on that he's gay um but he says that he he walks out of there and never goes back and then his ability to continue to get rent um is never explained again and this is the, this is the thing is that the the I understand that it is it is a story that is primarily centered around Richie and you understand what Richie's doing pretty much at all times same with Jill Roscoe you kind of you get those seeds and then they just fade away Ash is very much just left uh, he's like he has these one moment and and that's that's kind of it and it's just such a shame because I I, th I find that character quite fascinating, not as fascinating as Roscoe because Roscoe is presented with far more plot opportunities to come to an incredible fruition that are then taken away from him. Ash just isn't given anything, and I I think this is one of the larger issues of the series is that we had an opportunity to tell the story of somebody from an Asian background dealing with the AIDS epidemic, and it goes literally nowhere it doesn't start to talk about that when we talk about the impact of something like this and we focus once again on on only the the um the experiences of i, I know it was based on on jill nana's experiences well, great if that's the case make jill the main character but you know it's very much hey here's the the white kid from the isle of wight's experience of aids cool thanks i guess I, I'm, I'm pretty sure i've already heard this story a few times i'm learning some things but not a fat lot whereas you know having to deal with a religious background hmm, shame we didn't see more from roscoe having to deal with with coming from a background that they make a whole point of in episode one nobody actually handling with any tact at all would have been very interesting indeed to watch mm. that and as we get more into it, I'm comparing It's a Sin to three very different things and how I think it fails against all three of them. Those three things are the movie Pride, uh, the series Skins and the series Sugar Rush. And if you can't do LGBT people right more than Sugar Rush did, I think there's a fucking problem here. So but we'll, we'll get into that because I, 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 I really don't ha I don't have the the fangs out for this series i don't want to tear it a new one i want it to be good i want it to be better than fucking sugar brush and it isn't and <laughs> that's what bothers me okay now we have to talk about colin oh colin fucking hell like oh my god just so, 
I didn't expect this at all. No, so this is uh, Callum Scott Hills playing um, Colin, who's a little naive Welsh boy from the Valleys who comes to London to be uh, an apprentice at a suit-making shop. Um, and uh, tailors, that's what that was called. Um, suit-making shop. A suit-making um, shop. Jesus. <laughs> um, which is where he meets uh, Neil Patrick Harris, um, who was all over the kind of um, uh, advertising for this, but... Um, only lasts one episode, um, so he's interested to him, um, and it's kind of it, Neil Patrick Harris kind of worms out of him that he's gay. It's not like those two uh, love interests or whatever. Neil Patrick Harris is, um, you know, has a long-term partner, and you know he just kind of asks if Colin's gay, and he kind of comes out that he is. Um, he eventually moves in with um, with Jill and, and Richie and all the rest of the main cast in the in the flat that they all share. Um, but he's just such a sweet and innocent boy, but sweet and innocence gets corrupted, and oh, boy, does it hit home. Yeah, I must say that this is probably the only character that was done complete and total justice for the series, because mm-hmm. as short-lived as as his uh, presence in the show is, you, you can't deny the impact. Gee, oh, I was sad. I was very, very sad. Like that, he just shows up for a second in like a flashback in the in the last episode, and I just I literally just sat there and just went, oh Colin, <laughs> no not Colin, um, <laughs> he's just such a because I was trying to guess like okay Russell T Davies being a a gay man from Wales, I was trying to peg who he was, and I thought well clearly he's gonna be Colin right. Mm. Right, he's got plot armor. He'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> it, it's just a little. <laughs> I'm not. No, I can't. I can't. I can't. Don't I Simpsons don't, this one. I can't, I can't do Simpsons it. quote this one. Stop it. Just there isn't it. a Simpsons quote for everything. Um, so <laughs> we can't break our golden rule, Darren. No. Please, no. So real quick, so I, we we need to get into spoilers to really pick apart this series. So yeah. Um, the only two real characters and nice thing to mention are um, Richie's parents, uh, which is uh, his dad played by Sean Dooley and his mom played by Keely Hawes. Um, who, so his dad's pretty straightforward. He's your typical, you know, big burly man, doesn't know all this gay stuff, and you know that type of, the, the kind of rote thing to write a dad to an LGBT character who's in the closet to be right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, straightforward. Now, Keely Hawes, I, I, hmm, it feels like she plays two different characters. And what you mean, like the the innocent and quite not understanding mom in the first four episodes, and a pantomime villain in the last one? Yeah, right. There, there's a switch that happens somewhere completely out of left field that changes this character overnight. And I, I, this thing, I, I she does a good job of playing both ends, but they just feel like they're two completely separate characters. Something happens, obviously, that that it's weird, that it, it impacts them differently, um, both their mom and the dad in separate ways. When when they find out some piece of information, the dad kind of actually softens up and just kind of breaks down a little bit and doesn't know how to handle the information. Whereas Keely Hawes, 
yeah, you're right, just turns into fucking Maleficent overnight. Um, <laughs> literally on like, the search of Dom, she's like, oh, she's Cruella de Vil now, okay. Um, <laughs> BT Tubs, have you seen the Cruella trailer? Uh, no, I'm not oh. going to bother looking at that. <laughs> Somebody at Disney, what's Joker? <laughs> oh, no, is that oh. what it is? Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're going to try and get us, because they're not Maleficent in this. They're trying to get us on board for killing the Dalmatians. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it didn't look too oh, no. bad. It could have been worse, but it, it yeah. Yeah, the the Cruella wears Prada is the is the vibe being put out here. But um, yeah, the Devil wears Prada. That's a better pun, you idiot. Um, oh come on, mate. Come I on. I know, I know. He's right there. Fuck. Um. Anyway, <laughs> back to normal. So yeah, I, I is that bad, right? Because th- then they infer stuff in the last episode that just hasn't been there the whole time. Yeah. And and that that. that that is a failing of the writing that they just didn't plant the seeds well enough to to kind of make her the antagonist the show quote unquote needs for its its last episode. It's it's really weird. She does a good job with what she's given. I just think she's the the, the material doesn't have the consistency for what it really tries to pull off in that last episode. Mm. You're exactly right, and that's exactly how I felt when it came to because I didn't realise episode five was the last episode. I thought there was more coming, and then it very much ends, and it's like, oh, okay, that that's it, that's all this show has, and it took literally. I genuinely thought like she was gonna throw on. <laughs> it's it's a shame you've already made the Joker joke because I was gonna say I thought she was just gonna be turn around and be like, why so serious? She just went so off the fucking rails. It made no sense. It became exactly what, like I, I think, what a lot of more intolerant people think about. Um, uh, like what the, the what what a gay person's view of a straight person is. It became so like there is no redeeming quality about this person because they refuse to understand and empathise. That it it just became a caricature, and I genuinely couldn't take it seriously. Uh, I, I ge- there was one brilliant scene, and it was only the beginning of that scene where it worked perfectly. And outside of that, it, I thought she was going to be like, and I've rigged up a bomb in the gay pub. And it was <laughs> gonna, there was going to be like a big diehard style entrance where she was going to fall off the top of the fucking shard or something. Right. I just, I, I expected it just to go into absolute fucking absurdity because it felt so unlike this series. Yeah. It, the only time it worked, and we're going to have to talk about spoilers to talk about it, um so when we talk about spoilers i'll explain it but it is a scene or at least the beginning of a scene with richie his dad and then his mom walks into the room and it's the only time it fucking worked because you went this is not about the situation this is about her Mm. except that's not been her character for four of the five episodes so what gives i I know exactly you're talking about well i think that's actually that bit's fine because it's it's a character reacting to a situation in the moment it makes sense it's just then that becomes her character going forward and they also seem to retroactively make it her character that she's been this the whole time despite no outward evidence of that so mm, yeah right is there anybody else in the cast or anything you want to talk about before spoilers so i'm basically wrapped up with touching all the people i think i need to touch on um i want to say this neil patrick harris is actually really good for the, for the yeah, episode that yeah. he turned up in 
I really enjoyed his character. I really would have liked to have seen more of that. To be honest, him and Colin, that could have been its own series. That would have been fine. I would have liked to have seen more of that. Um, <laughs> it's like very serious keeping, not keeping up appearances. Uh, suit you, sir. Yes. That one. Uh, oh, what's it called? Uh, are you being served? That's the one. Yeah. If yeah. you really upmarket that and serious, that that would have been fine. Yeah, that would have been great. Um, and then Stephen Fry's in the series, surprising nobody. Uh, and that's an interesting yet weird take on the situation. Mm. He got to have a bit more of a, a nuance in his character, which, I mean, it was a singular nuance. It was just the one, but I didn't hate it. So that was good. I don't think there's anybody else. Oh, oh, sorry. David Carlyle, who played Gregory, otherwise known as um, Gloria, um, was really good. Had a really, really impactful episode about him. Um, I really liked that one. That that was pretty good. Cool. Also, also leads to my favourite line of the entire thing. Which was? Um, <laughs> so it's the bit where he says he's not feeling very well, but they're on the way over to the, the flat that they've got in London. Yeah. And her like um, her drag name is Gloria Monday. Um, and he's like, and we've got <laughs> we've got Gloria Monday in sick transit, which is a joke that none of you will get. <laughs> I fucking love that line. <laughs> Uh, right here we go spoiler alert um right so i'll I'll sum this up like this like me and rachel are working in separate rooms at the moment even though we're in the same house just so we don't have to look at each other 24 hours a day (laughs) um you know i love her to bits but you know a little bit of space is some it's nice sometimes so but you know we're still working in the kitchen it does um (laughs) So, but she's working in the kitchen, and I'm working upstairs, or vice versa. So we still, you know, we see each other like every half an hour. It's fine. We're walking past each other all the time, and we still say "love you" whenever we leave a room. At one point, I went "la," which is something they do on this show. They, whenever they leave the room, saying instead of saying "love you," they just say "la." I said that, left, immediately came back into the room, said, "I'm gonna have to change that because basically everyone who says "la" dies of AIDS, so I'm gonna have to stop that." Um, yeah. change that back to normal love you because my god they they every episode our main character dies of AIDS like that yeah. they they pull no punches uh, and, and it becomes a little bit farcical that like they're so like this very small group of characters we're getting is so like picked off by AIDS and like maybe this is because again it's based on well we don't know to what extent it's based on real events but if it is, then Jesus Christ, did Jill not have good luck? Um, and if not, it's maybe it's a bit over dramatic, but I suppose it had to get the point across because, yeah, we immediately start with Neil Patrick Harris being the first one to get it when it's kind of still in its infancy, or at least, you know, information about it and knowledge of it is still in its infancy, and they just lock him away in a room somewhere and treat him like a leper. Mm. Which again, I from all evidence of this show points towards how they was initially how they treated AIDS was just like, you know, you've got a very infectious disease that we don't know how it's transmitted. Get in a hole, um, and and that is just so. Colin goes to see him, um, yeah. You know, he just thinks it's he's got like a cough or like some black mold has got into his lungs or whatever, and then you see him kind of deteriorate, and then all of a sudden, boom! Neil Patrick Harris has died. Yeah. And he has to go and put on a fucking hazmat suit to go and see him. Yeah, and that's just the start of it. Yeah, that's that's episode one, which yeah. is uh, 
Yeah, it, it, it don't it don't feel with confidence as you go through. It's no. <laughs> very much, it, and and that's, I think once again, uh, I have to come back to the three things that I have to compare this to, um, <laughs> to to see if it's any good, and the fact that this series is not necessarily like the blurb on, excuse me, on the 4OD says that about five friends um, living and loving in the background of the AIDS epidemic. The main character is the AIDS epidemic. The characters are very much defined by their sexuality and their sex, like their physical sex. Um, and that doesn't make it as good as Pride, where you have a large cast full of very diverse LGBT people um, who are very first and foremost activists as opposed to victims. And I think that's a big problem. I don't see who this is made to empower because this very much feels like somebody who was around at the time, which Russell T. Davis was, was part of the scene in London during the epidemic, much like Graham Norton. It feels like them telling their story or finally getting to have their experiences kind of explored and shown off to the world rather than what like skins did which was to say hey it turns out you can explore yourself and be gay and do this do that the other now i understand the historical context but skins like maxi's stories in the first episode first episode first series and second series of skins was very much like you might come against you'll still come against that intolerance but you'll never stop being yourself Sugar Rush very much encouraging um, like young young girls to experience their sexuality and find out if they are indeed lesbian, bisexual, whatever it is. The, the point of it is to find out more about yourself. The message of this is very much AIDS will get you and it will kill you. <laughs> and, and, and that's what I can't escape. Yeah, so you've got the same media brain reaction that I had of this curse that we've been given. That our brains are always trying to think of, like, what's the moral here? What's the the point of this story? What lesson is it trying to pass on? And I came to saying that I couldn't quite pick it out. Like, is this just a historical documentation of what happened with no real, you know, point to it? No real, you know, information to be gained other than wasn't it bad to be a gay person in the 80s? Like... I thought maybe there'd be a scene later on where they'd go, you know, they'd show Jill now and show, like, you know, it's still a problem, but, you know, it's it's not like the cultural black market was back in the 80s. We've progressed from there, you know. Because I did look up some, like, statistics, because I was like, well, it's still around. We haven't got rid of AIDS. And I think it still said that there's, like, 100,000 people have it in the UK or there or thereabouts have either HIV or or, or AIDS. And but yeah, treatment has got so much better. Drugs have got so much better. So unless you have like very advanced level of AIDS, you can if you just have HIV, given the right treatment, you can lead a relatively normal life and be fine with it. So I thought maybe that's what it'll do. It'll show like, oh, this is how bad it was. This is how it's got better. Great. Or I thought, you know, it's a it's a commentary on you know coronavirus and how people were so like adamantly like oh it's fake and it doesn't exist and it doesn't really impact me and yeah yeah blah blah but you know we've been through this before and it's a morality play of like you know this happened before don't let it happen again but then it doesn't really do that whether that's because it was already in production before 
um, coronavirus happened and they didn't have time to really adjust it to make it more relevant to, the, to today, I don't know. But, yeah, I came away with, like, w- was it just an excuse to just... age is bad? Like, I think people knew that. And um, the way to get that across is just to keep killing main characters? I don't know. You are right, it is the strength of the cast that carries this through, more so than me really picking it apart from like, oh, it told a brilliant story that resulted in this. It was more moment to moment it's good, but big picture maybe it doesn't really land of what was it trying to say? What was it trying to teach? That doesn't really ever click for me. Yeah, and I think this was... You know when this is actually like a big problem when, like you say, moment to moment, episode to episode, me and the wife are enjoying watching this. We get to the end of episode five and we go, well, hang on, that didn't really work, did it? (laughs) <laughs> and it's not and it's not just me and like you say our cursed media brains that are over analyzing at every point it's also my wife who enjoys watching this stuff and is very fascinated by people's personal stories and even she was like well i felt like they left a lot out and they could have done this they couldn't have done that actually i think i didn't like it and it's just like the the troubles mount the more you think about this series as a it, it's ironic that in in much the sense that main character Richie lives his life moment to moment not thinking about the consequences is the best way to enjoy this show because the second you give it any thought it kind of falls apart in terms of an mm. actual series a narrative drama it begins to show the cracks very 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 quickly but the performances are so good it does it does make you forget about that in the moment so mm. I don't I don't like to tear these things a new one, but I am going to have to say I expected so much more of this series and I wanted so much more. Maybe that's a good thing that it left me wanting more. I see it as a failing because it's very much not getting a second series. Yeah, I think, you know what you could have done with if they did like a bit of post uh, after the credits or, you know, when it finished that showed like maybe it wasn't that closely tied to jill's real life experiences but if you come out and said you know this even if you had the actor out of you know kayfabe talking to the camera and saying i had these experiences show a photo of her friends colin and richie and etc and said i lived through this and use that as a way to kind of paint what we've just seen and what we were meant to take away from it i feel it needed that because otherwise it just feels like you just killed colin because you, you needed something dramatic for the third episode so you thought fuck it, let's kill the quiet Welsh kid. Um, and also bring rape into that. Um, so basically it's shown... So, so something starts happening to Colin. He collapses at work uh, in the third episode. Um, but everyone's like, what? He, he, he hasn't had sex, he hasn't had a boyfriend. Like, as I mentioned, like there was a boy he liked before, but as far as we're aware, he's like, you know, Virginia or gay person. So he's ill, they test him, um, but they, they think he just had a seizure, basically. Uh, he goes back home, and his mom's talking to him, and then he says something completely nonsensical, like that, that she's talking to him about I don't know, like how you know how he got ill at work or whatever. And then he just goes, "Yeah, but what about the man who we visited in France? When are we going to see him?" And it's completely no, it's so much so that me and Rachel thought we'd like stop paying attention for a second and was like, "Eh," so we rewound and like, "Oh no, he just said that as like a complete non sequitur." And that's when his mom kind of goes, "Right, something's up here." Back to hospital we go, you've got HIV, get in the hole. Um, <laughs> like, I think they she... put him in the same bed they put Neil Patrick Harris in, basically. <laughs> That's, um, I mean, like, 
the, the mum's far more supportive than that. <laughs> yeah, that, very that much, is... In the terms of the plot, that is what happens. She's like, hold up, <laughs> get in the hole. <laughs> it's funny. Rachel, so Rachel's boy watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and she has just got to the Inhumans part, so I had to explain the Inhumans to her. Oh, no. So a new phrase around her house is, get in the mine! Um <laughs> Twice, I like having not seen these humans. I had to give her the shortened version of what I believe about that show. It's like basically you get random powers. If you get good ones, you're royalty. If you get bad ones, get in the mine. Um, so <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, <laughs> yep. get in the mine. So that's what they did. Oh. Yeah, that's, so that's that's what they did to gay people. If you had if you had HIV, get in that room. Um, so <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so. And he basically we see the deterioration. He's the first because the character you mentioned before, uh, Gregory, who's you know also called Gloria or whatever. Um, he's the first person, the first main character who we come in contact with who has definitively got HIV. It's basically told to you without saying it outright. That's what Neil Patrick Harris died of. But Gregory is the first one that Jill comes in contact with anyway that definitively has that. And we we kind of see him losing weight and stuff, but they take him out of the situation. His family comes and takes him home before we really see the disease kicking in. Mm. And then it just turns out at the end of the episode, he's died, and we find out they're burning all of his possessions in a fire, which big, like, Valhalla burnings of, of gay people's stuff is a, is a frequent um, uh, image we see throughout this uh, series. Um, but, so Colin's the first one we really kind of see late stage, where, you know, the moles have started to appear over his body. He's not talking... He's not make, He's kind of making sense... But then he'll say stuff like completely inappropriately and he'll just start, you know, um, let's not get demonetized or kicked off Spotify for talking about what he does. But mm. something happens mm. um, that, that kind of, you know, shows that he has lost all real. He can still hold conversations on from time to time, but he's not really all there anymore. Um, so and then he dies. And that's the real first like kick in the dick you get of like, this is a person who you find out through flashbacks, was basically raped. He was living in a house when he first came to uh, London, like renting a room. And the family who owned the house, his son, basically raped him. He wasn't like, you know, it's not shown that he was fighting off. It wasn't like a violent thing, but it was, he, he didn't seem overly keen on what was happening to him. And that's what gave him HIV. Because we find that out because we find that the, the mom who owned that house, she comes in, and like where's my son i want to see my son she's like he's in the hiv ward and she's like he's not gay he's not a queer etc etc which gives us the first taste of what happens later on when basically in the the next episode they all go get tested roscoe finds out that he's fine and he's like genuinely how the hell has that happened um (laughs) um ash is fine but richie doesn't find out they're about to say he's stressful and he basically gets out of there Mm. And this is where we kind of start to get into the grey area of the Richie character. Of again, it's all kind of it's not really dealt with on camera, but it's basically heavily implied that we may find out he did have HIV, and it's heavily implied that he basically just carried on as normal and may have infected like hundreds of other people. Yeah, very much becomes like a little bit of a villain in in himself. And it's uncomfortable to listen to when this comes to a head. I think it's in the fourth episode where where he kind of explains, I didn't stop. In fact, I did more. Yeah. Um, so that's that's uncomfortable to watch. But I appreciate that at least there is 
there is not just like like ironically the um, antithesis of the title not everybody is virtuous and just gets it and it's just a shame like you have that that plot line of you know one time is enough with colin and that's heartbreaking but the it's the total antithesis with with richie because he knew and he ignored and he denied and he actively spread conspiracy and denied everything in the second episode that entire two camera bit takes a whole new meaning when you realize what he did when he found out that he was hiv positive and that it didn't stop him if anything it kind of vindicated him to live the rest of his life as he wanted it very interesting to see like almost almost like manifesting your own destiny taking precedence over the greater public health like can't say that doesn't yeah. that doesn't have any fucking connotations of what's going on at the minute but mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. and that's what made it interesting what made it not work is that who is supposed to see themselves as richie as our main character who yeah. who is watching this maybe currently as a closeted um closeted gay man who hasn't come out to their parents yet and says yeah i want to be just like richie i want to live my life to the fullest i want to you know move away and and be true to myself and experience who i am and then be an arsehole and die like Mm. what see no i get that so there's very few tv shows that have kind of had that protagonist who's also the antagonist balance like the best and the one that always comes to mind first is Breaking Bad, of how they transitioned Walter White from being the protagonist who was making some under slightly understandable like options, given the circumstances at the start of the show, before transitioning fully into the bad guy by the the last season. Like you are just waiting for your main character to get his comeuppance in that final season. Because they don't... But the, the reason they can do that is because they show you all of Walter White's decisions up front, on camera. You can see him making the bad decision. You can see the descent. Basically, all the Richie stuff that would have given that character that kind of leeway to kind of become the antagonist happens off camera. It's given in, like, like retroactive like lip service in the last episode where mm. he does go... I carried on, I did all this stuff, and it's Jill who says right at the end, like, he he carried on because of shame. We'll get into that in a second. Mm. Because of shame, he carried on doing what he did and has, you know, potentially impacted the lives or killed hundreds of other people. Like, it's like they don't want to commit to making him the bad guy. Like, he ultimately does get, karma comes for him, he does die of AIDS in the last episode. And maybe that's them going, well, look, that's how it balances out. He did die of the disease. But they they really don't want to pull the trigger on making him, of like, showing, like, this is wrong. This character is bad. He made bad decisions, and he's the lesson we should be learning from. They don't want to do that. They still, in that you know, the last few scenes, Richie is still treated like the good friend. You know, the, you know they're going to miss him and all that stuff. Which is still fine, but it'd be much more, you know, narratively rich if they were doing that in the context of what he'd done and not just paid it a little bit of lip service. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, I see you're turning me into you now, Michael. <laughs> but you were me to begin with, Darren. We're from the same school of thought. 
Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I still enjoyed the series. It's the thing, it was still a good acting performances, but it could have been even better if they'd given um, Ollie Alexander the chance to, like, act those scenes out, show him making... Because he comes close once. Basically, there's a, there's a scene where um, Ash, who... Basically, everyone in the flat has slept with everyone else at some point, but mm. Ash and Richie are the only one that seems to still be, like, carrying that on. Like, not, like, as a relationship until right at the end, but kind of off and on promiscuity. Uh, and there's a bit where after Richie now is famed, he goes back, has another HIV test and finds out that he's HIV positive um, and he's got eight. Um, Ash comes after they've had a party, Ash comes to um, get into his bed and starts to, you know, get the motor running. We're going to preheat the oven here. And uh, Richie stops him. And that's like the closest we get. Like, it seems to be once he finds out he is actually HIV positive, that he stops all that stuff. But then in the last episode, Jill basically says, like, no, that's not the case. It's just he didn't want it to do it to Ash because he genuinely had feelings for him. Everyone else that was just these one-night stands that he didn't have connections to, he was A-OK of giving him aid. So if we'd seen that play out on camera, maybe that could have <laughs> that could have helped their media brains come up with what was the point of this, of, you know, especially in the context of today, don't let your feelings of just wanting the party to continue you know, impact the lives of other people. Don't be that selfish. Be smarter than that. But because that didn't happen, we don't get to talk about that stuff. We have to talk about Keely Hawes' heel turn. <laughs> Keely Hawes is the fiend. She, <laughs> it was just it. it was so stupid. There's a the only time that that worked. It was in the last episode, and and you kind of in the in the episode. Well, no, in the scenes prior to it, you see. Uh, Richie's parents arrive in the hospital and very much two different things happen. The dad tries to get angry but can't and then breaks down crying and you he has an interesting relationship with his son after that. Mm. Um, and then, as we know, Keely Hawes turns into fucking the Joker. So <laughs> there's a bit where they've, they've taken Richie out of the hospital and they've taken him home to die, basically. Um, and the mum Killy Hills walks in to see the dad reading him a novel and he turns up and he says to it, it says I'm trying to do all the voices but I can't do it like and, and he's genuinely pained that he can't give his son like the experience of like pretty much like trying to give him like an audiobook and it's like that's so touching like he's he's trying his absolute best and he's still doubting himself and his ability to give his son even the smallest amount of comfort and then ink barges in Keely Hawes in the only time this heel turn works. And she puts on a horrific children's song because she said, I remember you dancing to this and I thought it was a great day. And I'm like, wow, you really are a cow. And that mm. and that works for that. And then the rest of it is like she becomes like the like the master, like one of the anti antagonists that Luther goes up against in Idris Elba's series. Mm. Of just like she meets she meets Jill on a fucking bridge and basically explains that she's left her son to die and didn't tell them. And I'm like, that's the point where I was like, and there's a bomb in the truck. Like, it was just, <laughs> yeah, it was she just goes full so on, maniacal. full on Ozymandiasism on the bridge. Goes, oh yeah, he died yesterday. I don't know why we're having this conversation. Yeah, he'd be, he'd be dead 24 hours. Now. <laughs> I triggered it 30 minutes ago. <laughs> Oh, no. Jesus. She really does oh. become Ozymandias. You're right. Right. So the, so this is the thing, right? So on that scene, both 
actresses do give good performances, but any amount of thinking about what Jill is accusing her of doesn't make sense in the context of what we've shown to that character. Yeah, so, no, it's horseshit. Up until Richie finds out he has AIDS and the parents come in, right? She has been just a pretty white bread mom. Like, it's the dad that's shown to be like, well, he's obviously going to be the problem because, again, he's wrote like a very, very stereotypical dad of a character who's, you know, gay or lesbian, whatever, in, in a miniseries. It makes sense. It, he's ticking all the boxes. He's also a pretty straightforward character. So you think, like, so Richard doesn't come out to his parents, basically, until he has to tell him he has AIDS. And you think, right, so the dad's obviously been the one who he's scared of coming out to because he's such a manly man and whatever. Then they have that flip, which is actually quite interesting at the time, that, like, he just doesn't know how to handle it and he just starts crying he's the one like because he barges out the room to like be a man of action and then almost like immediately barges back in to say i'm gonna get you through this i'm gonna figure this out he becomes like the loving daddy hasn't been for the rest of the series and she goes she basically turns into him and she turns into the flipping bigoted homophobic uh, all these queers coming around here my son's not that and he, he basically she tries to explain away him being gay saying look men are just horned dogs and we'll just put their digging whatever hole is available. Though he, this is just a phase, and she, it becomes very effective. Like I can't have a gay son. I don't have a gay son. So what you're talking about? Whatever, whatever. I'm going to find out a way to get rid of this. He hasn't got HIV. You're being stupid. Anyway, they have that scene at the oh, end. Oh yeah, and she beats the, the shit out of the dad in that bit as well. Oh yeah, just starts lamping him for having you know for <laughs> crying over his son having a disease. Uh, so we get to that last scene. We've, well, second to last scene with Jill and her on the on the bridge, and she tells him that she tells Jill that you know he died yesterday basically by himself um, because she wouldn't let him. Even though her and Roscoe have come to the Isle of Wight to see him, they were respectful and said, "We're not going to come. You, we know you don't want to see your son. We just want to say hello and give him our love." Second, you say it's good to go. We'll be around there in a second. We'll come. We'll visit him, and that's all we want. Um, so and then she tells him you died alone, and Jill starts raging, saying he could have been with us. He could have been surrounded by friends. Had you told us? And then she goes on this rant at her, saying, mm. you know all of this is your fault, because you shamed him. You, you made him ashamed of who he was. And that meant that he couldn't confront, you know, he was so ashamed of who he was that he didn't care about his action because he kind of loathed himself. So it's your fault that he went around and infected, you know, other people with HIV because he was so ashamed of coming out to it. And then she tries to say, oh, and it's your fault that other boys are doing this too. I'm like, I, I didn't realise she was a supervillain. She's certainly got the performance for it. Right? So, like, none of it makes sense because she hasn't been portrayed as that in any of the other characters. If she was saying this to his dad, it would have made more sense. But, like, she wasn't... We weren't shown the evidence that she was the one that was, you know, homophobic or whatever and made him ashamed of who he was or whatever. Or if maybe Jill's insinuating that because she never cracked down on the dad for having those beliefs, she he create, she created an environment, or at least was party to creating an environment that meant he was ashamed to come out to his parents. It just makes no sense. It's like when she switches that character, they want us to think that that's been her character the whole time. But that's just there's no evidence of that. Or at least if there was... I don't see any of it in the early episodes. It's just, yeah, that that maybe that does speak to like the writing could, is a bit suspect sometimes, especially when it gets towards the end, the business end of things. It just doesn't, yeah, it just doesn't compute. They're they're, they're trying to tell us that Keely Horse is a character that she just hasn't been portrayed as being. Yeah, 
and and that's that's when it comes to a head and that's where you realize that hang on quite a lot of stuff has been left out of this series and it's even worse when you realize that the series takes over the course of 10 fucking years nah sorry nah yeah that's nah. like that's like x-men aging because none of those people change at all <laughs> yeah and it really in the middle it really focuses on what i would consider to be minor issues in the grand scheme of things like one of the big moments in episode three is did you know that it was really it, you couldn't be gay and have a mortgage i'm like who were you trying to preach to when these mm. children were able to buy a flat in london like city center london and you're trying to like who who are you who are you talking to right now? Like who, was this who's meant to be that, like there's gonna like, be people, regardless of their sexual orientation, struggling to get a fucking mortgage. Don't yeah. don't make this a partisan issue. Jesus Christ. God, that should have been the post credit scene. Jill is now a millionaire having brought property in central London at a good price <laughs> yeah. in the eighties. That's the story you should tell. Like Jill got out perfectly okay. She drives a Ferrari now. She's great. Um <laughs> Oh God! Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jesus. Okay. Well, you've ruined it to see for me, Michael. Thank you for like, making me th talk out loud about this. Is I still think it was really good. And like I said, cast-wise, the acting-wise, it's all really good. And I think individual awards are merited here. But yeah, on reflection, my media brain was already ticking of like, I, uh, what's the point of this? What is it trying to tell us? But. Yeah, they do leave a lot of stuff unexplored on the t on the table that they could have gone into. I actually appreciate the brevity because I think it just makes it the the impact is harder. I just wish I knew what that impact was meant to be. Um, but yeah, individual performances I think are really great across the board. Like to, to like, there's a flashback at the end. Basically, once Richie dies, they have a flashback of him. Um, but he was first doing acting, talking to. Um, Colin and um, Ash and Roscoe in the park and whatever, and then a seagull nicked his ice cream. Just seeing Colin did make me go, oh, Colin, no, <laughs> you do, you were too sweet for this world. Um, but, yeah, you ultimately come away from going, that was very good, and I hope he gets some recognition, but it could have been so much more. It really could have been, and the brevity, whilst it is more of a virtue eh? more of a virtue with this because the quality actually doesn't hold up to scrutiny it would have been interesting to span this out to 10 episodes where each episode is is a year jump so it felt a bit more adjusted um and then explored new opportunities like roscoe gets given the opportunity to either start running the gay pub or start booking the talent for the gay pub okay let's have a story about how the, the pubs were getting raided people were getting beaten in the street for their sexuality where's that nowhere to be fucking seen it's just it's things like that just small things the protest the protest is relegated to the last third of the four episode that could have been a bottle episode of just doing the protest that that felt important. The activism feels important, and it's ignored. So, I really I can't let it slide. I, I wanted it to be better than it actually turned out to be. That doesn't land with anybody except with writer Russell T. Davis, somebody who famously came out during the press run for this and said, "I don't believe it's correct for anybody who's not gay to be playing a gay character," which I think is absolutely absurd. Like, I don't think the intentions were correct from the creation of the show in its very inception, whilst it is very much for the generation that Russell T. Davis is a part of. That includes people like Graham Norton, Stephen Fry, older people. 
getting to tell the stories that at the time for them were suppressed in the media. Yeah, you've now got the opportunity to tell those stories. But the fact is, through osmosis, through the changing of the cultural landscape, we've kind of already come to discuss those issues. And I didn't feel like it's a sin brought much more to the table that I already knew about this as being somebody who, you know, I mean, for Christ's sake, I did a drama degree. I've been surrounded by LGBT people from the very fucking beginning. Like I've heard these issues and how they've evolved for our generation, how now more of it's a struggle for social justice rather than is grand upheaval of, of actual laws. You have a brief brushing with the obscenity laws in episode four and it comes to nothing. Like, what the fuck? We had, you know, the the whole point of, like, why people hated Mary Whitehouse completely fucking gone from this point in time. Obscenity laws and, 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 and literally homosexuality being illegal isn't even addressed. I can't believe that that isn't part of this show. It, it's, it's fine if you want to have this show be that historical standpoint and treat it almost like a period drama. Fine do that change the main character to be jill base it entirely off um oh, what was what was a, a surname jill nalder's experiences living in london at that time and tell that story don't try and make this some kind of truncated version of skins that isn't nearly as positive as skins was about being who you are and exploring who you are during a really tumultuous period of your life imagine if they'd made skins with the background of aids because this series isn't the background of AIDS, it's the foreground of AIDS and how it kills off our main characters. It's treated a little bit like a horror horror film, and I don't think that was the correct way for it to go. It is saved by those performances, and they do deserve recognition, but I cannot recommend this series. I've tore it a new one, and right now it is still at number two on the best TV shows of the year. <laughs> so, uh, the, that's got more to do with the fact that we're only still in February. I don't see this being on the list much longer. Um, I just wanted so much more from this. And and I, and I don't think it's it's particularly healthy to have a show that once again puts LGBT people squarely in the role of victim and little else. And I, I don't think that's a good way to go forward. It clearly had a very positive reception, though. I think a lot of people have enjoyed this series. And mm. if people have learned something from it, that's fantastic. I just, I just like like you said, my media brain might have ruined it for me because I just... Oh, I, it'll do that. Yeah, yeah, it will do that. But, you know, this is what the critics are supposed to be doing. <laughs> and they're giving it almost perfect reviews across the board. They're actually, mm. you know, criticising the goddamn <laughs> thing. It's okay, Maggle. It can't hurt you anymore. Breathe. It's fine. <laughs> um, what's number one out of curiosity, then, of TV series? The Serpent. Um, also, a, Oh, well, you did tell me about that. Yeah, yeah. that's a BBC, BBC show. Also a British production. Um, it's fucking great. Aha, uh-huh. that now that's that's something that understands how to do something grisly going on in a in, in a sort of like recent history period drama sort of thing, but it explores the entire fucking issue and it's so good. I mean, based on how much I've enjoyed it, my series so far is First Date season fourteen. Um, <laughs> oh God, it's just been a nice series. Lots of lots of nice dates. Really funny. The girl the other day brought question cards to her date. Um, that were like 
hard-hitting questions that we're just going to answer honestly. She asked her date, who do you think is the most intelligent? The bloke with a master's degree said him, and she got upset about that. It was great television, Muggle. It's uh, <laughs> real good. You should watch that. <laughs> what that says about all the other Netflix series we're trying to watch, I don't know. But, uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, if you want to listen to even more um, ranting and raving from the pair of us, you can go and listen to our Nintendo Direct uh, review. Uh, yeah, we've not had a particularly well. positive recording session this week. It was nice and sunny when we started. It's now overcast and pissing it down, so I think we've brought this weather on. Um, hopefully, in the next few weeks, we've got more positive things to talk about. We are going to hopefully have some Pokemon news to talk about after the 25th anniversary next week. Um, we will also eventually, in the next few weeks, get to review WandaVision. Easily going in at number one as the best TV series so far this year. If you can just stick that landing. Um, but more on that in a couple of weeks. I mean, I kind of show my hand there a little bit already. But <laughs> it's a Marvel show. And this is fair entertainment. What do you we, think was going to happen? We, wasn't able, we weren't able to uh, give Marvel anything last year. So, you know. So it's going to get all the praise this year. <laughs> I mean, this is even a Captain Marvel adjacent series. And Captain Marvel is the only thing recently we haven't liked. So that should tell you all you need to know about WandaVision. Anyway, that's going to be coming up soon. And we've also got a pitch episode for The Simpsons coming up very soon as well. We have, but in the meantime, you can go and find me on Twitter and Instagram at ThatMikeOwen. And you can go and follow Darren on Twitter and Instagram at TheGutridge. You can follow the site on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook under the username FowleyNT. That's F-O-U-L-E-N-T. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you can pick up your RSS feeds under the username FowleyNT or FowleyNT Podcast, depending on the service you are using. And, of course, you can go to fansentainment.com for more. Like I said, Darren's put his end-of-year stuff up. I've been dealing with illness and also buying a house which turns out requires a lot of your attention um so yep yeah, um, i don't know where mine's going to be there might have to do something else and we still don't know what's being nominated for the oscars so it's not even like i can lean back on that and write off doing something for a year but hey oh i'll figure it out don't worry about it uh yeah so the, like i said we've got the episode up now of the nintendo direct um, next week potentially might be WandaVision, hopefully. That would be nice. Uh, and then from there we've got pitches. There'll be more Marvel stuff because we've got Falcon and the Winter Soldier starting almost immediately after that. So that's pretty cool. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, but just, you know, keep it tuned. An internet that you don't tune, keep it tuned. Two fans entertainment for more. Bye, everybody! Bye! <laughs>